Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Jesus heals this man of something he has been afflicted with his entire life. He doesn't yet know the Lord. And I think that's so important in this holiday season that we remind people that their blessings are coming from God, that he's not waiting for them to respond to him so he can be good to them. Happy Friday. Today we have part one of a new two-part study from Pastor Sam entitled, A Man Born Blind. We're looking at John chapter nine in its entirety. The text before us is about Jesus healing a blind man and how he was treated by the religious leaders. Now I can't say that he really would have cared what people thought, as he now could see for the first time in his life, but Jesus still needed to cure his spiritual blindness so that he would know who the Son of God is. Let's listen in. We read here in John 9, 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Well, I want to point out something that should be obvious, but may not be. Jesus heals this man of something he has been afflicted with his entire life. He doesn't yet know the Lord. And I think that's so important in this holiday season that we remind people that their blessings are coming from God, that he's not waiting for them to respond to him so he can be good to them. He's already good. He's already blessing. He's already healing. He's already loving. And all he's looking for is reciprocation, that they would acknowledge him and love him back. Well, we read it. Jesus passed by. He sees a man born blind, blind from birth. His disciples asked, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? They're curious and they're confused. Part of the curiosity is, well... That this guy had been there so long in that situation that he had become something to discuss and not someone to reach out to. Of course, they couldn't have healed him at this point and they had no expectation that Jesus was about to do that. But they are curious and they're confused because the question, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind. It suggests that he sinned in the womb if it was him or that his, uh, his condition was definitely the result of his parents' sin. Now it turns out neither are true in this case. That's not to say that our kids can't be impacted or affected by our sin, that, that, that in fact, the, the, the sins of the fathers are visited upon the children, we read, to the third and fourth generation. But listen, that's different than God 
afflicting our children because we've sinned. He says specifically that's something he doesn't do and won't do. I won't punish the children for the sins of the fathers, nor will I punish the fathers for the sins of the children. That's important as well because their whole concept was is when you see someone in this kind of situation, will somebody sin to cause it? And I'll tell you who that was, Adam and Eve. Because before they sinned, there was no sickness. There was no, no, um, no poverty. There was no, there was no well, desire to sin. And, and listen, there's some really good news in Revelation 21 because he gives a list of things that will be no more. Sickness is among them. Sin is among them. Sorrow and suffering and all the things that result from sin, they will not be a part of the kingdom he creates in Revelation 21. Well, anyway, Jesus is neither curious nor confused. He's compassionate. He's able and he's determined to give him sight. And he starts by giving him sight physically. In the latter part of the chapter, he gives him light spiritually. And so of the two, the second far more important because the first is physical and temporal. The second is spiritual and eternal. So they discuss, he transforms. Sadly, his answer is obscured by a rather unfortunate bit of punctuation. It reads in our Bibles, almost all of them, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, comma, but that the works of God might be revealed in him, period. If you realize that the punctuation was added much later, after they were translating into the languages that we're reading the Bible in. Well, it's important to note that, that while the scripture's all exactly as it was, the punctuation can change the meaning. And listen, here's the two ways uh, to, to read this. If you read it the way it's punctuated, it sounds like he's saying, this happened so I could heal him. But switch a comma in a period and you get an entirely different story. Jesus answered and said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. Not comma, period. He's not saying they were sinless, but he's saying it's not his sin, it's not their sin that led to his malady. And so he goes on then to say, but that the works of God may be worked in him or revealed in him, comma, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. It's a much different story. It's not saying, well, he was like this so I could heal him. There were lots of people who were hurting, lots of people who were in need. We saw it when he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, a multitude of people who were suffering and, and looking for hope and Jesus heals just one of them. Well, you should know, of course, sickness can, I mentioned it, or maybe the result of our sin. Uh, of course, it began, as I mentioned, with original sin. It can be the result of a parent's sin. But that's not God punishing either. That's just the natural result of sin. It's important that we share that with people because there are many people who once walked with the Lord, who fellowshiped with us and other saints in our community, that some tragedy took place in the family and they have just walked away. And they're angry at God that he let such a thing happen. 
But look around. There are so many people suffering here and everywhere. God's not punishing all of them. By the way, it is possible for our own sin to lead to our suffering. And even that may just be the natural consequence of sin. But God can use all that, and he does. Sometimes, well, he'll use sickness and to uh, chastise us. Sometimes, well, as in the case of Lazarus, he says to Lazarus, this sickness is not unto death, and then he lets him die. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but unto the glory of God, but then he lets him die. And then he comes and he raises him from the dead. He meant this is an unto death. That's not the, the reason it's happening. That's not the outcome eventually. And so everybody gets sick. Everybody dies. There are those who don't believe in sickness. They get sick and die too. And so uh, it isn't how strong your beliefs are, how great your faith is. Listen, it is appointed unto everyone once to die and then the judgment. If I understand that, and I think I do, He's saying death's an appointment and nobody is going to miss that appointment. Well, as long as I'm in the world, we read it there in verse five. I am the light of the world. I love that. First time he said it, the context was the woman caught in adultery. And he could see the, the blind hatred that these guys had for him and that they were willing to just use her. She was just a useful tool to them to try to ensnare and trap him. And so he says, I'm the light of the world. They couldn't see it. They didn't hear it. They didn't respond to it. But he continues to share the truth with them. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground. We read it, rereading it, made clay, verse six, with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. That's the process. We've seen it over and over and over and over again. He heard the word, he obeyed the word, and he came back whole. He came back, in his case, seeing. It's an observable and undeniable miracle so the religious leaders are going to have to deal with this. But first, his neighbors uh, and those who had previously seen that he was blind said, verse 8, is this not he who sat and begged? They're amazed by what they're seeing. They're like, how in the world isn't this him? Some said, this, this is he. Others said, he's like him. He said, I am he. I like that. Best way to settle a debate or a discussion where one opinion is this and the other opinion is this, go to the one who knows. And today I hear so many people debating creation and evolution. It's absolutely unnecessary. Just direct them to the scriptures. We're not charged to prove everything to them just to say, hey, Listen, your whole thing is so complicated and impossible. Read, I got to, there's something right here. Can I read it to you? It's short. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's simple. It's clear. It's straightforward. No matter how you parse it, it always says the same thing. But evolution, it is not just 
virtually impossible. It is absolutely impossible. Well, not just in creation. What about sin? Opinions differ. There are those who don't even believe there is such a thing as sin. In fact, I knew some people early on. I wasn't aware of it until I was already pastoring, but there was a group of Christians in town. They were a part of a group that believed that they had been gloriously sanctified and hadn't sinned since. They were a group that believed you could get to a place in this life where you no longer sinned. And I recall a story, and some of you will recall it as well, it was someone who had come up to, uh, to uh, one of my mentors and teachers and somebody I just dearly love his teaching. But anyway, they came up and they said, hey, I, I got a question for you. And, uh, and he's like, well, what was the question? And, and he said, well, you know, um, I, I was, you know, gloriously sanctified and, and uh, you know, I haven't sinned since. And you seem to be suggesting that's not the case. And he said, well, are you married? And he said, married, that's not a sin. And he goes, oh, no, I'm just curious. And so he said, well, yeah, I'm married. He goes, is your wife here? And so he said, yeah, she's right over there. I'd love to meet her. So he brings her over, introduces her. And, and, and he says, your husband just told me something astounding. He said he was gloriously sanctified some time back. It hasn't sinned since. Would you agree with that statement? Well, you know where this ends. He leaves them there arguing. So, so listen, if someone's arguing with you about sin, go to the one who knows. Jesus is the only one without sin, and he so loves us, he died for our sin. He understands what it is. He knows how it happens. He knows the consequences of it, and he is the solution to it. So creation, sin, redemption, there is one plan of redemption. Not everybody likes that. And I've had people say it's just not fair that there'd only be one way. And you know my response to that? I can't, I, I can't even understand why God made any way. Knowing me, knowing us, knowing mankind, he didn't have to make a way. He could have just done what he did in the flood. Get rid of everybody and start fresh, literally. But instead, he made a way, and Jesus is that way. And today, religion's okay as long as it's not Jesus. You can talk about being a Christian as long as you don't mention the cross or the blood or Jesus' sacrifice or that he's the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father but by him. But rather than be frustrated by that, we just need to continue to lovingly share what's true, to direct them to the scriptures, to direct them to the Lord. When it comes to forgiveness, a question I often get in a holiday season like this is I'm going to be with family. And there are things that happened when I was young that are absolutely unforgivable. And I haven't found it in my heart to forgive. And it's always tense and I'm never comfortable. And how can I forgive? such sin. Sometimes it's the person on the other side of that whole thing. I sin so grievously, they'll say, against others in my family that I don't even feel that I could ever expect them to forgive me. Listen, Jesus tells us how this works. He's forgiven us everything, everything. And so we're to forgive one another everything. So the point I'm making is simple. The best way, the only way to settle the debate, whether it's in the family, whether it's between you and your wife, 
whether it's between you and any other believer or unbeliever, take them to the truth. He is the truth. He has the truth. And the truth, he said, and we saw it in the last couple studies, will set you free. Well, their question will make sense to us. They're just like so blown away to see someone who's begged for years because he's been blind his whole life. They said his friends and family and neighbors, um, they say in verse 10, how were your eyes open? They're like, how in the world could such a thing ever happen? And he answers and says, verse 11, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, you got to go wash that off. Yeah. He said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received sight. It's a very simple testimony, but it is one powerful testimony. And get this. He knows Jesus name. He knows he's a man. He knows he's named Jesus, but that's all he knows about him. He doesn't really know him. And yet he's been healed by him. And now he's going to get to share a testimony of who Jesus, well, of what Jesus has done before he ever really realizes who Jesus is. There in 2 Kings, there's a Syrian commander uh, of, of the, uh, the armed forces there. His name's Naaman and he's a leper. And we're told that he was a good guy, a, a just guy. Anyway, he had a servant who told him, you know, there's, there's, there's a guy up in, in um, Israel that can like heal leprosy and things like this. And, and so he, he ends up, and it's a long story. I, I encourage you to go read it. It's 2 Kings chapter 5. Read it later. Get, make sure that everything I'm telling you is in the scripture and that you're understanding it all. So if someone says, ah, that never happened or your pastor's mixed up. The second could be true, but the first isn't. I may be mixed up, but the word isn't. So this leper comes to uh, where Elijah is and, and uh, Elijah doesn't even come out to greet him. And that sort of ticks him off. I'm somebody special. What's he doing? He sends out a servant. And the servant says, you need to just go wash seven times, dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And he's so angry. What, he doesn't even come out personally? And then he tells me to go dip myself in that mucky water. He goes, we have way better, you know, rivers up there in, in Syria. All that may be true, but his servants wisely point out that, that listen, if he asked you to do something nearly impossible, wouldn't have you, you have gone to the ends of the earth and done anything he asked? He's asking you to do something anyone could do. Just go down to the water, dip yourself in seven times, and you'll be healed. So the wisdom they share prevails. He goes down, he dips himself seven times in the water, and he comes up cleansed of leprosy. The reason I share that with you is they both do the exact same thing. They hear the word of the Lord, they obey the word of the Lord, one receives his sight because that was his need. The other is cleansed of leprosy because that was his need. He obeyed and came back cleansed. Well, verse 12, they said, well, where is he? And he said, I don't know. And they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. 
I love that phrase, him who formerly was blind. They'll use a likewise phrase related to Lazarus. He will be called after Jesus allows him to die, leaves him in the grave for four days and then raises him from the dead. He'll be the guy formerly who formerly was dead. And I wanna say both are true of every one of us when it comes to spiritual realities. Those are physical pictures meant to teach a spiritual reality. We were blind to the things of God, but now we see. And we were dead in trespasses and sin, but now we're alive so we can say, I was and I am. I was and I am. That should be the essence of every testimony. And I noticed that, that he gives his testimony multiple times. It's not like he was walking around trying to find someone to testify to. They came to him. That'll happen to you too. If God changes your life and he hasn't yet done that, and then you, you, you're surrounded, of course, with other people who also God has yet to change their lives. And they'll be like, okay, what happened? How did this happen? What exactly did he say to you? Well, anyway, they said, where is he? I don't know. And then they brought him who was formerly blind, as we read, to the Pharisees. Listen, not all of us were depraved. Not all of us were drunks. Not all of us were druggies. Not all of us were corrupt or criminals or convicts. But all of us were dead in trespasses and sin. And the sin that seems the least in our eyes was still serious enough that Jesus had to go to the cross for it. So if we get into comparing, I can always find lots of people who are far worse than me. In fact, when I came to Christ, I just looked at all my friends and thought, well, no wonder he picked me. Look at these losers. <laughs> but the reality was, you know, it wasn't like that at all. He loved all of us and he just chose me because he knows I never shut up. And so if they ask, I just keep going. He knew I would tell people, but he didn't save me so I could tell people. He saved me for himself. And then he equipped and sent me to share. And a short testimony is the most powerful testimony. It doesn't leave as many things to argue about. It doesn't leave as much room for it to be embellished over the years. You know how that can happen, right? You tell the story first, it's so short and clear and people are like, oh my gosh, that's wonderful, that's crazy. I, I can't believe it, but I see it. And, and then as the, the story is embellished or gets longer, well, it just ends up leading to more questions and less fruit. Well, his neighbors are amazed, but remember, the Pharisees are on a mission. Their plan, their plot, their need and desire find some sin in him for which they can accuse him. Now, verse 14 introduces, well, that thing that's already come up a couple times, it will come up again and again. It says, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. We've talked about this many times, but if you're new to all this, just know this, it was against the law to work on the Sabbath. I've always found it fascinating that there are people who reject Christ because they feel that the church is just too exclusive. 
In some cases, they might be right as it pertains to the way that certain Christians behave, but the foundation of what we believe in is not about how Christians behave. It's about the works and the deeds and the nature of Jesus Christ, and it's about the truth. Matthew 5.45 tells us that he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, as Pastor Sam noted, Jesus healed the blind man who was not a believer. Now, God loves all equally and treats all equally right up until the time that he judges them. And that judgment can be avoided as Jesus died on the cross for all who would believe in him. Unbelievers need to know this. God is on their side. He always has been. All the perfect gifts that they have came from him, including salvation, should they choose it. Remember, we love Jesus because he loved us first. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.